This is Truth Encounter, and we have been thinking together about the Apostle Paul's use of the physical body as an object lesson to teach us what the body of Christ is supposed to be like. Our passage is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and Dave Wurtson begins our time together reminding us that you never get too old to serve the Lord. Some of you who think that retirement meant retirement from Sunday school responsibilities, church leadership, and active involvement in reaching others for Christ need to wake up and rediscover what this life is still all about. Dave? In the body of Christ, you never get too old. You never get too weak. You never lose the abilities that under the Spirit's control that you can't use. You know, you can be 85 years old in a rest home, flat on your back, not have any physical health at all, and you can have an unbelievably powerful ministry in building up the body of Christ if you realize what Paul is saying. Now, Paul goes on to develop some of the gifts of the Spirit that were very evident in the Corinthian church. In verse 8, He begins this list, and basically we need to understand his point. The Apostle Paul is not giving us a treatise on these are the spiritual gifts, and you need to to see if your church family has these gifts. That's really not the Apostle Paul's intent in 1 Corinthians. In fact, if I was speaking to the Corinthian group, I would not have to do what I'm going to do for the next few moments. I wouldn't have to explain to them what prophecy was. I wouldn't have to tell them what a word of wisdom was. I wouldn't have to tell them what a word of knowledge was. They knew. You say, how did they know? Because that's what happened in their group. You see, when they became born-again believers, the Holy Spirit chose to work in certain diverse ways, different ways. One of them had a gift of prophecy. Another one had a gift of tongues. Another one had a gift of healing. And nobody had a debate, you know, what those gifts were. They knew what they were. Now, they needed the discernment to be able to know when it was when a false invasion from the outside was being brought in. But do you understand that difference? In the Corinthian church, these things were happening. And the Apostle Paul just assumes that. And then he tries to correct some of the, the maladjustments, some of the false ideas, some of the pride, some of the jealousy that's tearing this group of people apart. Now, as we look at the text, we need to look at what the Scripture says about these gifts, sometimes in some other sections, so that we can understand exactly what was happening in the Corinthian church. I don't think we can really have, a, have an insightful discussion about spiritual gifts until we think very carefully about what was going on in Corinth and what the gifts that were evidenced in Corinth really were then we can make some broader judgments about what the Holy Spirit might be doing in our midst today. But let me just say that when the Holy Spirit is moving, He does His thing. He does reveal Himself. He does manifest Himself. And there doesn't need to be a whole lot of debate about what the nature of what He's doing is because it's happening. And you see it and it's evidence. Paul begins by giving some uh, lists of gifts that were very important I think the reason that he mentions these gifts first is that in the Corinthian church, they put a lot of stock into these gifts that he mentions first. And they are revelatory gifts. He talks about, to one is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom or a word of wisdom. 
To another is given the word of knowledge by means of the same spirit. Those are two speaking gifts. Now, you remember, those of you that were with us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul talked about the giftedness of the Ephesians. He says, you've been gifted with all spiritual gifts. You've been gifted with all knowledge. You've been gifted with all wisdom. As he begins chapter 2, he says, I came not to you with eloquence of speech, with the power of oratory, but instead I declare to you the foolish message of the cross. You remember that? This is reminding. But the Apostle Paul was being rejected by the Corinthians. You know why? Because he was not a skillful oratorical communicator. The Corinthians were dominantly Greek. They had a fine heritage of Demosthenes, the guy that used to put marbles in his mouth so he could learn how to pronounce his words skillfully. They had great orators, great teachers. In fact, if you were, if you were a Greek, you would gather together in large stadiums to hear these gigantic men of the word, of speech. The same thing came over into the church. And the Corinthians believed that the word of wisdom was the gift of this great oratorical skill. Some of you believe that. Some of you, if you've grown in your spiritual life, you feel that the gift of the Spirit is the eloquence with which a speaker can do something. In fact, I can feel it within me. In other words, I work with certain associates. Like when they do a wedding, it's like a dramatic presentation. I mean, the voice is, you know, that melodious liquid bass that just flows over the auditorium and the dramatic timing that a good order will have. In fact, you can build an entire church around those dramatic oratorical skills. Now, if those skills are breathed into by the power of the Spirit, then they're beautiful and they're marvelous. For example, Apollos was that kind of a man. That kind of a man. Paul wasn't. Paul evidently stumbled and stuttered and he probably had a speech impediment and several other things. He wasn't dynamic in personal appearance. And the Corinthians, because of that, were saying, well, you don't have the word of wisdom, Paul. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, oh, yes, because the word of wisdom is a profound spiritual understanding of the meaning of the foolishness of the cross. Those of you that are Greek in orientation, you want to have an argument. You want to have a, a rational, intricate discourse. Gentiles, Greeks desire knowledge. The Jews, those of you that are Jewish more in your orientation, you want a sign. You want a miraculous demonstration of God's omnipotent power to just bowl you over. You want a lightning bolt from heaven. But Paul says that God has chosen not to reveal the truth through a sign or through intellectualism. He's chosen to do it through the simple proclamation of the message of the cross. If you're going to go to heaven, which I want all of you to do, you're going to go to heaven because in childlike faith, you hear the story, the historical reality of a Savior who died 
a curse on the cross of Calvary. He took all of your sin upon him and he was cursed for you. I should have been cursed. You should have been cursed. The idea of the curse is I should have been banned from God. You should have been banned from God. But instead, Jesus became banned by God, cursed by God. And it was all paid. And the third day he rose again from the dead. And I don't understand theologically everything about the dynamics of that death and the resurrection. But it's the foolishness of that cross that enables me to sit before you this morning and say that I'm safe and I'm secure and I know where I'm going because heaven came down in glory filled my soul by believing the word of wisdom. So in the Corinthian context, if we ask what is the word of wisdom, it is a spirit-inspired insight into the meaning of Christ and his work of redemption. It is a spirit-inspired. For the Corinthians, when they didn't have 1 Corinthians, when they didn't have the Gospel of John, I couldn't tell the Corinthians. You want to understand the meaning of the cross? There's Gospels of John. The Apostle John wrote the Gospel of John so you would know the word of wisdom. You can pick it up in the foyer. They didn't have that when Corinthians was being written. So what did the Holy Spirit do? He raised up a Paul within their midst. He raised up other men, other women within their midst that would give a word of wisdom. What would they do? They would be able to stand up in a group and under the, the, revel, the revelatory power of the Spirit, they would declare the meaning of the death of Christ for the community. I believe that the application of this gift in today's church with a completed canon is that it's the ability for us to gather together. I think we have many words of wisdom that are given. But I believe that it's rooted in the revelation of God in the Holy Scripture that as we study the Holy Scripture, the Holy Spirit moves in our heart for us to perceive it to understand it, to be able to apply it. Chuck Swindoll, for example, in the body of Christ, someone that you all know well, has a modern gift of the word of wisdom because he knows how to take the message of the cross and make it very applicable in our everyday life. It's the illumination. Theologically, we call it not revelation, not spirit-inspired messages, but it's illumination to understand what God has revealed. And I believe that that's very vital. In fact, believers can say, well, oh, I wish I lived in the first century. I think we always have that if-only mentality. Because what we're doing is unbelievably better. We could start in Genesis today, go all the way through to Revelation. The Holy Spirit could illumine as we got excited about it and we're responding to it, he could illuminate all kinds of skill for living. But oh, we're like little children, just like the Corinthians. We want it to happen immediately, without any work, without any study. Corinthians were kind of like that too. The word of wisdom was a profound revelation from God that could only be received from him. The only way we could understand what the cross really meant The only way that would change it from just another Jew dying to the ultimate reality would be for God to reveal this is what happened on Calvary. And that's what he did in the Corinthian church through those who had a word of wisdom, 
And that's what he did in our lives as we study the Holy Scriptures. The next gift is the word of knowledge. The Corinthians excelled in this. They were very proud of it. A very specific example of a word of knowledge would be that in the Corinthian church, someone would stand up and he would speak under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and he would declare to us that before when we were idolaters, when we were worshiping in the temple of Zeus or Olympia, when we bowed down before those idols, those idols were nothing. They were just hunks of wood and metal. There was no spiritual reality behind those statues. But the spiritual things that happened within the group, sometimes voices spoke, sometimes it was just ventriloquism, but sometimes it was demonic activity. For example, Jesus in his own ministry often would have demons verbally speak and declare messages about him. And this word of knowledge would be given to the Corinthian group by this inspired individual saying that, that behind those idols, though the idols are nothing, there's no, one, there's no person called Zeus. There's no Greek pantheon. They're all just myth. But behind that idolatry is demonic activity. And that would be a word of knowledge which God would give to someone in the Corinthian church to help them to have the right accurate knowledge about idolatry. And then from that, they would have the freedom. If we eat meat that's been offered to an idol, nothing's happened to the meat because the idol isn't anything. And so the Corinthians had freedom. The problem was that they became enamored with this gift of knowledge. You see, if I know something that you don't, especially in the spiritual world, it's easy to become prideful about it to put yourself up on a higher level. And Paul was instructing the Corinthians, that's what they were doing. They knew these deep spiritual mysteries. 1 Corinthians 13.2 says, uses the idea of knowledge, understanding or fathoming deep spiritual mysteries. What the gift of wisdom was in the Corinthian church was an individual by the Holy Spirit's grace who had profound revelation about mysteries in the spiritual world. For example, one of the mysteries that the Apostle Paul revealed to us is something that wasn't known at all in the Old Testament was that God, for a period of time, would unite Jews and Gentiles together, eliminate any of the national distinctions between them, and make them one body in Christ. That was a mystery, a spiritual revelation that Paul received from a word of knowledge. And that's a precious word of knowledge because that's what we're here to celebrate today. So in the Corinthian church, the word of wisdom was an inspired revelation about the meaning of the cross. The word of knowledge was an inspired revelation about spiritual realities. I think once again, because the word of wisdom is related to the word of knowledge, in the church today I think we have gifts of illumination. In fact, I think that some of my charismatic friends really are talking about when they talk biblically about the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. As I interact with some of my friends in that area, they're talking very much in terms of illumination to know how to apply the word. Like, for example, I might have a dear older believer that is at a strategic turning point in my life will come to me and say, Dave, I believe I have a word of wisdom for you. 
And they say, I've been praying much about it. And they're very much in tune with the Holy Spirit. And they, they apply a very strategic principle of the Word of God to my life at that time. And I think sometimes we're just arguing semantics, but that is illumination. The Holy Spirit takes the revealed Word of God in His Holy Scripture and makes it very much applicable in our life today. I think we need to be careful about magic. And I would not say at all, I believe the Holy Spirit can speak today, and I believe He speaks to me, I believe He speaks to many of you, but I think we need to be very, very careful about someone that says, oh, I have a word of wisdom for you. I have a word of knowledge for you. We need to be sure that we compare that with the teaching of the Holy Scriptures. For example, I've had some dear Christian friends who somebody in their church family would say, it is the will of God for you to get up and leave your job and go to the deep, dark Africa. I had a revelation during the night that that was the word of knowledge for you. And I've had friends that have done that. The problem with that kind of advice is that Proverbs says in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. Proverbs says, that I mean, the New Testament reveals that the Spirit will work in a community of believers where there will be especially the leadership. And then the entire body will have a deep-seated conviction that this individual is gifted by the Holy Spirit to serve in a very strategic way as a missionary. And I've seen many people hurt because they supposedly heard a message from the Holy Spirit. And who can resist the Holy Spirit? My dad tries to be the Holy Spirit for me a great deal. But it isn't the Word of God for me. Because I need to hear the Lord leading me. I need to be in interaction with elders and deacons in our church. Many of you as my friends. We all need to be praying about things together. We don't just jump because we received a message. We need to be very, very careful about thinking that we have a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. I believe the Holy Spirit does give us profound illumination, but let's be sure that it corresponds with the Holy Scripture. We're going to go on from here and talk about the gift of faith, the gift of healing, which is a very important ministry of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the gift of of powerful workings, of miracles. We'll also talk about um, the gift of prophecy and the gift of tongues, and we'll clarify some of the meaning of that gift. Basically, what I want you to begin to think about in 1 Corinthians 12, the heart of the message, and my own attitude, you know, I think it's very important to not produce more division in the body of Christ. I want us to have a profound love for every segment of the body of Christ. And as I've shared together, I want you to realize there's room for, for differences of opinion on exactly what the word of wisdom is, what the word of knowledge is. What I've tried to do for you is after hours and hours in the book of Corinthians, carefully going over the original text, I'm expressing from my heart what I believe was happening in Corinthians. And then I've shared how I believe in my own life and in our church family life we can apply some of those principles in our life today. What I know, what I know is that none of the gifts should be elevated and become symbols of deeper spirituality. None of the gifts are symbols of spirituality.
They're all just gracious, unmerited favors that we receive from the Lord. I'll go to the stake for that one, okay? The second thing is what we did with the kids. I want you to think, what I did with the kids, you laughed and I wanted you to, and it was fun. And I do that because I want them to feel very much a part. But from the time they're little kids, I want them to know that they belong. That they're part of, as they receive Christ. Many of them, as I look around those, each one of our little ones, many of them have already come and made decisions with you as moms and dads. What I want them to realize is that they belong. That they're securely part of the body of Christ. I also want them to realize that maybe they'll flunk algebra as they go develop. Maybe they won't be able to read very well. But you know what? They might not fit into academics very well, but you know what? Every single one of those little kids that receive Christ as their Savior, they fit into the body of Christ. Do you know that every single one of you fit into the body of Christ? You're needed. Isn't that fantastic? I'm needed. You're needed. We're all needed. So we all belong and we're all needed. You see, one of the things I think that's happening at times in the church family, one of the things that's happened to some of you in the past is some of you got involved in a church and you did it all. You tried to do everything. And it burned you out. It hurt you. You felt used. But you know what some of you do? You say, well, I was used and I was abused and now I just want to relax. What I want to share with you is I, I don't want you ever to go back and do things out of guilt and out of manipulation. I don't want you ever to go back. But because I love you, I don't want you to sit and be an individual and just do your own thing just to meet your own needs. The reason I don't want that is because that will be one of the greatest harmful hurts that will ever come into your life. Because if the Lord ever calls you home, If the Lord ever calls me home, and I think about this often, I know, because as a pastor teacher, I know that in those situations, that what is meaningful is the investments, the love, the giving that someone has done for others. If you care, if you give love, if you're just unabashedly sharing yourself, it works a miracle. People fall in love with you. Do you know what? There's about 200 people that know you. They know your name pretty well. They know about how many kids you have, kind of. They kind of know your kids' names. They kind of know where you live, about 200. There's a much smaller group that you really are close to. What the Holy Spirit wants to do is to give us such a big heart of love that we start to expand that group. And oh, I pray that this concept of the body, this concept of giftedness, this concept of unity in the body of Christ would flame this church family. As you go out into the world, you're the body. You are the body. You're the church. You're going to reach into offices I'll never reach. You're going to reach into neighborhoods I'll never reach. You're going to talk to individuals that I'll never reach. And all that I've done is exercise my gift to build you up Now you're to go out and be the body. And just as Dave challenged his church in Midlothian to invade the world around Dallas, Texas for Jesus Christ, 
I pray that you will be encouraged to invade your place of influence. Don't believe those lies that Christ does not want to use you. Don't neglect the gift that he has given you. The way to discover your spiritual giftedness is to simply begin to function in your local church. Volunteer to teach. Offer to help with the teenagers, and there's always plenty of need for help in the nursery. If you're a handyman, think about some of the widows, divorcees, or single women in your church body who need help with maintenance in their homes or on their vehicles. Truth Encounter flowed out of an electrician's desire to begin to record Dave's messages given to his home church so that those who were sick would not have to miss the Sunday morning messages. And the messages are now available for us to share with you on our Truth Encounter broadcast. It's amazing what the Lord does when we start thinking about how we can meet the needs of others. Go ahead and start implementing some of the ideas the Lord has placed on your heart. Dave will continue this discussion about the vital parts of the body next week on Truth Encounter. 